Welcome back to Inside Marketing Design. I'm Charlie, I'm a marketing designer currently working as the creative director at ConvertKit. And this is a show where I get to speak to my peers in the tech industry about how brand and marketing design works at their companies. Today on the show, I'm speaking to Austin Couillard, who is a senior brand designer at Auth0. Now Auth0 is an authentication and authorization platform that companies can use to make their users sign up and login process really smooth and most of all, very secure. So their target audience is either developers building applications or the folks making the big picture like infrastructure and platform decisions at product companies. All Zero were acquired by Okta in 2021. So now they're operating as like a separate product unit within Okta and Austin joined the team last July. So he's been there a little over a year now. You're going to find it really interesting to hear about the way that the internal Auth0 brand team works with a bunch of different external agencies and like freelancers to keep up with the brand design needs. And you'll hear from Austin about all of the internal relationship building that is vital for his work. So we talk about a lot of things that are not like hands-on design in this episode. All important stuff though. Before we get into it though, let's thank Webflow for sponsoring this season of Inside Marketing Design. Webflow is a visual development tool that you can use to build websites without writing code. And one of my favorite parts of Webflow, because I do use it for my personal website, is creating interactions. This is something that I always found so difficult to get my head around in code, but in Webflow, you can create animations on a timeline and set them to occur on hover, on click, on scroll, whatever you like really. It's a really easy way to add something a little bit more special to your site, make it more engaging, which is why companies like Dell and HelloSign and, and Lattice use it for their marketing website. Check it out for yourself at insidemarketingdesign.com webflow. And now let's get into the episode and take a look inside marketing design at Auth0. Welcome to the show, Austin. Super excited to have you here and to learn more about marketing design at Auth0. Let's start by you telling us about the team. How many other brand designers are there besides you? Where does that fit into the company? Give us the lay of the land. Yeah, totally. Um, but first, I just want to say thank you for having me. This is my first podcast experience, so that's, <gasps> okay. that's fun we'll for me. Okay, we'll try to make it a good one for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for our team, it's a pretty small team. We get to do a lot, but essentially, other than myself, there are two other brand designers. One is a principal designer. And then the other um, designer, he considers himself a full stack designer because he also is a developer in a previous life. And he truly is just so talented, can make a concept and then also build out a website, which is pretty wild. And then we also have a couple more web or visual designers. Okay. And how many of, of them are on the team? There's two. Two of them. Okay. Yep. So we're talking like five designers total. And what team are you technically on? Is it called the brand team? Yes. Technically, our, our uh, direct team is called the brand design team. And we mm -hmm. sit within the design org that ladders mm -hmm. up to our products unit. That's interesting. I find that there's usually, it seems to be a pretty even split um, in these episodes when I talk to folks that brand design fits within design, which ladders up to product, or it sits sort of more within marketing or growth within a company as well. Yeah. And but I was pretty much hired as a kind of like a liaison between the design and product org and our marketing org, because that's more so my background as an advertising marketing. Like you were saying with brand design teams and where they sit, it can kind of be a little ambiguous, but um, I also talk a lot with different marketing stakeholders. Tell me more about that, about what you're responsible for in your role as a senior brand designer. Yeah. So, man, it, because our team is smaller, it really does touch a lot of different things, which I love. But within marketing, like we were just talking about, I will, you know, help me with the brand marketing team to look at any kind of feature videos or explainer videos to explain our product. Um, we'll also look at different specific campaign work that will be pushed out to different media touch points. Within marketing, there's also, of course, like demand gen and banner units and all that fun stuff. So you're responsible for creating those, like the ad banners and things like that? Well, because of our small team scale, we more so, it's more so our direction. I'm not hands-on creating a lot of these at this point. Our brand manager has put in a lot of work building up processes so that we can more so be shepherding design versus having our hands in it, which has been really nice as far as being able to get a really bird's eye view of things. We also like to help do like art direction and creative direction with um, external agencies that help us put those things together too. Interesting. Okay. So you are doing a lot of art direction and creative direction work. 
and it's the agencies who are doing the hands-on making it this size, this size, this size. Exactly. Yeah. For the most part, sometimes, um, you know, I'll build out something that I just call like a campaign toolkit. Like if we're going to be working on a campaign, but an external agency is going to be producing it. Sometimes I'll create like the assets that will probably become components in Figma on the agency side and just give like some rough guidelines on putting the look and feel together. Because sometimes campaigns are a little bit more nuanced than what you would see in a brand guideline. So it's kind of hard to know where, where, where to push the line with the design. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And so that's you setting the direction for it. And then the agency can take it from there and, and yeah. run with it. I like that. Okay. We'll definitely get into talking more about working with external agencies in a sec then. But um, what about the rest of the brand designers on the team? Like in, I guess in general at Off Zero, what is brand design responsible for? Because it's interesting to hear that there's a separate group of designers who work on like the website, for example. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like I also, when I look at brand design roles at different companies, it's always kind of hard to know. Um, and they're all because, different too. Yeah, That's why we so do the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to break it down. But essentially, the principal brand designer, her name's Sexy, she really helps kind of shape the brand presence overall. Like before I joined, the, the, the small team led the brand evolution for Off Zero. Um, so there was a rebrand done right before I joined. And they created a very extensive guidelines that kind of touches, you know, marketing assets and video product and all these different things. But I would say since then, they really have a more um, in-depth relationship with the product team and the research team. Um, and working on brand delight and brand experiences and new visual identities that come up for internal products and external like landing pages and things like that. So basically they kind of lead the extension of the brand after they set, like after we set like a, a, a bar, <laughs> if you will, with the brand guidelines. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you're doing the same with applying it to the like marketing asset materials, right? Where yeah. like maybe not literally yourself, but with the agencies, making sure that that consistency is there, that they're meeting that quality bar as well, um, the work the agency produces. Yeah, it's always funny talking about this stuff um, with other people because I feel like it's more enlightening to be like, yeah, that is what we do. <laughs> that is how we do it. <laughs> yeah, you can figure it out as you explain it to others. I love it. <laughs> like we also try to leave room for like, experimentation on the team with our brand. Um, so a couple of things to shout out there is like I've been working with an external agency on building like a, a video motion library that eventually we're hoping to kind of do like a sonic evolution of the brand. Um, and see like how those video assets could sound like and then how those assets then could be brought into the product or into campaigns. So there's like a level of um, discovery with what we can do with the brand, which is really fun. Um, Guiche, who's the full stack, full stack designer that we talked about before, um, he's been working on, you know, like generative like artwork websites for using our patterns in our brand guidelines and like figure out how we can make more nuanced creative um, with that kind of a tool. Oh, wow. That sounds really amazing. Fun. Yeah. Like that <laughs> sounds really fun to have the space to do that sort of thing. And also like great for the brand too, you know, to to be having a group of people who are pushing it forward in this way and, and thinking about those things. I love it. Oh, absolutely. And then we can also like share it on social just for our, like our brand design team socials and kind of enter different conversations about design than that we might not have if we didn't share it out. I love that. You mentioned the product design and research team before. I'm curious to hear more about ways in which brand design collaborates with product design. Um, like even just calling out that brand delight in the product is a priority for Auth0 is really interesting to me. So yeah, tell me more about that. So we have something called brand and product. And it's its own like Figma library and, you know, assets and things. But essentially that is like kind of internal guidelines that we have that's always a work in progress with the product team um, to find areas of brand delight and kind of always be looking at how we can tighten things up within the product and how it comes across um, from like a brand point of view. And that's kind of a really an ongoing initiative that comes up as we get feedback, I think from the product team and then also from our team when we do like internal reviews or things are flagged in different meetings. 
our like weekly meetings. So that's always a fun thing. And like a, a part of the brand product, like an example of that would be kind of like for empty states and figuring out how we can add a illustration to the product for different delight or what level of delight is, you know, um, applicable given the context. Because, you know, if we like since we were a login security company, if you get. Yeah, you want to like, like not, you know, you play for. <laughs> you know, there's something if there's something wrong. We don't want to be showing a very brightly colored, fun looking animation to be like something's wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, like, out yeah, we yeah. want to be have a more serious tone. So there's different like, uh, yeah, I think the tone of things really comes a lot um, into play when, with brand and product. But other than that, um, we also have like a cultural side of our brand, our our design org where brand design research and product all come together um we have different like internal creative lunch and learns as we call them where we bring like external speakers to talk about um different industries or like different topics that come up in our retros like quarterly retros that the team wants to you know learn about so we collaborate outside of projects a lot we don't collaborate outside of projects, but we come together just to, you know, get to know each other and grow outside of work. Um, and you're collaborating think, on the culture, design culture at, at All Zero by doing that. Yeah. So and I go. think it also Connects. builds just a lot of trust too, like between people because you get just, to, you get, you get like a different flavor and you get to like <laughs> see people in a different light um, and also just like learn random facts about them to get closer to people, especially when we're working yeah. remotely. You mentioned a weekly meeting, but I wasn't sure if that's a weekly meeting that all the designers get together or, yeah, I don't know. How, how often are you meeting as a wider design org and do you give each other feedback and do shared crits across like brand and product teams? So our brand is launching as a weekly like Monday sync where we essentially have a Google Slides deck and we recap the work that we've done and each person has a slide and we recap. You know, the previous week, can we talk about things going on that could be cross-functional between our teams or between people? And then as a design org, we have an, a, a quarterly all hands and also monthly all hands um, to talk about our goals. Because all of the goals and really like the main tasks that need to be achieved are visible to everyone on the team. So everyone knows what people have to deliver on. And so if someone's reaching out to you and you know that that's a very important goal for them to work on and they're looking for some help you can always figure out and prioritize like how to help that person which i think is really useful other than that i would say we also have design crits um where anyone can kind of bring a project that they've been working on and you know open it up to conversation for people to review and i feel like i'm missing something but that's enough oh. meetings for now anyway. Yeah, no, there's a lot of meetings. <laughs> but we also have research uh, readouts um, where the research team presents like the work they've been doing and kind of just like an update, which are always really interesting because sometimes the, you know, business needs for the research team is wildly different than what uh, brand design might be working on. Because I feel like as far as the work we do, we can relate a lot to product design, but with research we don't have as much visibility into like all the different ways that they help shape the like the product and like the customer experience more so. Um, so it's really interesting to see like the work that they do, um, especially with building out like archetypes and things like that. Yeah, and it's always interesting to hear what perception um, users have of of the company, right, and like of the product because brand plays a, an impact on that too. That's what I always like listening in to product research calls at ConvertKit. <laughs> Especially when it comes it. to accessibility too, like with the research and, and understanding like what isn't working well within the brand and what needs to be changed. Because sometimes you might be making design a design decision that could really like we've had feedback on our patterns and things like that that are always great to hear and keep in mind when like uh, iterating on the brand. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. And that's like hearing it from a user might be something that you didn't realize yourself because we're very close to the brands we work on. And so yeah. it's easy to, <laughs> to not spot things like that. Let's talk more about these external agencies. So, so far, I've heard from you an external agency who works on the like ad banner assets. You mentioned one working on some motion stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's the same agency. But tell me more in general about um, how many agencies you're working with and what sort of things you outsource. Totally. I feel like when I first joined, it was such a learning curve to figure out all the 
pockets that agencies existed because every, yeah. it seems like every marketing team and sometimes even individual um, designers or marketers will have their own agencies and, and freelancers they work with. But to give you an example on the design team or the brand design team specifically, I help our direct along with a web designer, a agency um, called Fuzzco. And I know that Figma also mentioned that in their episode that they used that, which is kind of funny. But we really touch on a lot of different types of work. Like they have a lot of breadth when it comes to like their skills and knowledge. So we'll obviously touch like web project work, um, but that could also lead to different ad assets that will lead to those web projects or landing pages. We also use agencies to extend like our illustration systems um, to do illustration exploration and get like a kind of like a third party perspective on the work that we've done, which is great. Other than that, as far as like motion and animation in general, like some of the designers in our brand design team have been here for over four years and have relationship with relationships with freelancers that are incredibly talented. Um, so we have like a 3D agency, our freelancer that works with uh, Cepsi, our principal designer. And then we also have motion designers that work with each of us um, as like an extension of our work. So I would really say a lot of our brand designers, when if they're not hands-on designing, they're art directing and, you know, kind of directing how the brands like evolves. It's a lot of fun to have that level of responsibility, but also like freedom to create stuff. Outside the brand design team, though, we do have agencies that are more generalized, I would say, um, and they can pretty much do anything because of the scope of work we have with them, but they're mostly to support our marketing team in order to take on all of the different, you know, niche tasks that come up that marketers need um, visuals for, um, whether it's banners or even like assets for white papers or things like that. So you, you said that that's like an agency that the marketers work with. So how, how do you get involved in that? Cause I don't know, maybe I just need to let some things go, but I like to like make sure that any visual thing being produced for ConvertKit comes through the brand studio team. Like not necessarily me, but someone on it at some point. Um, how, how is that for you? Like, is the agency producing a white paper? It goes straight to the marketing team and you never see it, but you trust them because they've got the guidelines. I don't know. What's it like? Yeah, <laughs> I will be honest. Like this was a huge learning curve for me when I joined because I came from an even smaller team where we did touch everything. But essentially, like for the agencies that support the marketing org and everything they create, they create a lot of content. Um, we have like monthly recap decks where I will review the work done by the agency and it's very extensive as far as like the amount of work that is done. And I can point out things and see trends and maybe um, see if we need either like an external agency training on a specific area of the brand guidelines or flag anything that might be off brand and kind of like just redirect the work. Um, because sometimes naturally when you're working remotely, especially with agencies, that you don't meet with often there's like there could be ambiguity of like what decisions need to be made um so that's kind of how we direct the work we're not reviewing every little thing but we're always accessible to the marketing org through slack if they have questions about the quality of work done by an agency or if they feel like they would be more comfortable with more visibility they can always add us on to a project which is actually through like the agency's third-party like platform so it's not like asana or anything but we can then like see the work done and like give direct feedback, which is uh, really useful. But yeah, I would say it was definitely a learning curve, not like seeing something that could be better and not like taking it on myself or like figuring out how to fix it, but more so like thinking foundationally, like what could be fixed so that it doesn't come up again and I'm not having to refix it again. So that's where like the agency training and well documentation comes in which has definitely been a shift for me, but very like helpful for our team as far as like freeing up our time on what we can work on. I really like what you said about redirecting based on trends that you're noticing. Because I think that that is honestly what I need to do to stop worrying about the like individual things and like look more at the patterns of what is happening overall. Like 
one graphic goes out with something not quite right, but everything else is great. You're like, okay, that was just a like a one-off and, you know, we can do better next time. But if you see like a new pattern being introduced or perhaps some sort of brand element not being used in the way it was intended repeated across different assets, then you're like, well, now I know this is um, something that I need to like course correct. I really like that, that way of doing yeah. things. And like, this was an, an interesting like design use case of that is, so the brand before I joined was kind of like this vermilion bright orange. Um, and that was the main brand color. Um, and we've had people, you know, that are very tied to Alciro who love the orange and keep on using it. And then when the brand evolution happened before I joined, it, it turned to like a bright indigo. But in the brand guidelines, we always had the orange of a kind of like a secondary primary color. So everyone historically at the company had been there for a while, you know, they would see that and be like, oh, we'd still use the orange. And now it's like one of the trends that we spotted is that a lot of swag and banners were coming out that were like purely just orange. And it, it didn't, you know, resonate with the brand evolution. So that was a trend that we had to like then go and see in the brand guidelines how we can, you know, create some more um, proportion with the indigo to make sure that everything was a little bit more congruent. Yeah, that's a really great lesson in the documentation, right? <laughs> in, in knowing that, okay, I know how these colors should be used and I'm laying them out and calling this a secondary color, but I didn't spell out that this shouldn't be used alone or like it needs to have X percent of the indigo used as well. Um, I've definitely noticed that happening as well with, um, with ConvertKit brand colors when you spot those moments where you're like, ah, I did not explain that correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's, it's, it's kind of wild to see how even like a sentence and a brand guidelines can make such a big impact um, when <laughs> it's being read from like a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Read by someone who perhaps doesn't have all the context that you do. <laughs> well, okay. while we're speaking about brand then, uh, we haven't talked yet about Okta. So I know AuthZero is part of Okta, but that you operate at the moment anyway as like, you know, AuthZero is still AuthZero within Okta. How has that been for you with dealing with these two different brands? And, and like, what have you done to sort of uh, bring them together, I guess, in your work as a brand designer? Yeah, so the work, if I'm being honest, we haven't done a lot of work as far as um, merging the brands in any kind of true sense. They're still true, very separate brands. And even like our teams are dedicated to the same work that we have been working on. Um, and I think really it kind of comes down to resolving ambiguity for like our marketing stakeholders and being flexible with how we see our brand and see Okta. Um, and an example of that is like, you know, a lot of specific use cases when it comes to like the businesses, when like the, the product they're selling sometimes could have overlap without like a brand decision when it comes to like in-person events, like how you're, you know, branding a booth if you're selling both of these products, um, how do they, how their brands show up together? Um, has been a big question how no good you know experience for me personally and how we resolve that and how we you know create documentation to help clarity or clarify like what to do but I think really what it comes down to is just trying to like thrive in the ambiguity of the situation and um, be flexible in our like approach when like talking to marketing stakeholders mainly and the brand team also internally, like we, as far as like the cult, a cultural piece, because, you know, when a company is bought out, it's, it can be, you know, people's individual career trajectories, career trajectories can change and like their goals. Um, so it is a big deal for many people. And so the brand design team, like created a whole internal kind of like launch as far as like the joint branding assets that we made and you know, had a 3D video to announce the, you know, all those assets and like create just more excitement around it, which wasn't seen externally, but was really just to help bridge the gap between the two brands and help people like, you know, also point them, like basically get their attention and then also point them to all the documentation that they can need to figure out what to do. 
yeah, like that's important too. Sometimes we've got to do brand uh, marketing internally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So what do you have in place then to ensure brand consistency for Auth0? Because obviously for Auth0 as products, like for the users as well, you want to give people stability during an acquisition, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the most important thing is people are like, these are the things that are not changing. We're staying consistent. We're still providing you this service. Um, same for the brand as well. What did you have in place to um, ensure that consistency in a time of such change? Yeah. So, I mean, the external agencies we already talked about were wildly helpful as far as, you know, taking on a lot of the continued Osira work that was done. Um, and also it was a great, having an external agency is a kind of like a filter because you would see the breadth of work. You can also spot those trends again of, you know, people asking questions and things that need to be resolved, things like, you know, people asking, should this be Octa branded? Should this be off zero branded? Like, what are our options? And that would come up through the external agencies who would ask us that question because they hadn't been trained on the Octa brands. So that was interesting because we could be like, oh, yes, this needs to be redirected this way or to a different vendor. But it also like kind of clarified the work that Osiro was doing. And I think it kind of settled um, some nerves for folks to realize that they still had all the same resources that we had before. And like we ha- also had a dam system that, which was brand folder, um, that we used for templating with a marketing stakeholder. So really kind of came down to brand enablement for them um, and for us to be able to give people tools to use um, through that transition. But I will say like we already had those tools before. Um, so I think a lot of it came down to really like semantics and knowing how to you know, direct our own internal employees on what to do with the brand. Now, I'm not sure if the templating you just mentioned then is um, one that I'm thinking of, but we talked before hitting record. So sorry, listeners, you missed out on that. I asked you if there was any examples you had of a time that you like iterated on some marketing assets, because I'm always really interested in digging into that. And you told me about a templating system that you iterated on. Is it the same one that you were referencing just then? Yes, it's the same okay. the same one with brand folder. Um, you know, we also have other, you know, internal templating systems that are built primarily in Figma that are given to not given, but like more so owned by the brand design team. So we and you know, with Figma's access limits, we only have it scaled to certain like teams that really need that type of tool that's more flexible. That you but can brand, trust with but the I design was tool, yeah. mostly mentioning <laughs> the brand but yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was actually mentioning the uh, brand folder template project. So I know that this project came up um, when you noticed there was a lot of bottlenecks in production, right? Like that that was that was what was happening and you noticed that this was something that needed to be solved. Tell us a little bit more about what, what that was feeling like and, and what the issues were you were solving with this. Yeah, well, I'll actually say that it didn't really come up from bottlenecks more so is that we actually had a role um, we had our senior like design ops manager leave the same week that I joined. Oh no, um, I'm sure and, it was nothing yeah, you said. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we used that really as like, or the team used it as an opportunity to review a lot of the di- different self-service tools that were set up um, in that role with our marketing stakeholders and brand folder was surely one of them. And with the templating, like really what we wanted to do because there was a lot of outdated assets still, uh, from the brand evolution that was using the bright orange and different things in the old brand is that there really needed to be a rehaul of how we thought we were using uh, a template, you know, whether it's brand folder or something else, how we were using templates uh, strategically and making sure that all the marketing teams and their various uh, use cases, like it were being supported by it. Yeah, so how did you go about figuring out then what this brand folder needed to be versus what it was? That is a great question. And it's also something, since this was really one of the first big projects I worked on, um, it was kind of a really great project for meeting a lot of different teams. Mm, Um, Good excuse to talk to people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And start like building trust as those stakeholders. But like in order for me to figure out how to, you know, solve that the how we were using templates i had to meet with all the different marketing teams and understand like 
what's working, what's not working, what's like a dream template, if you will. <laughs> yeah, no promising anything, but just yeah, saying. Not, yeah. like, I'm just curious. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what what's a dream template or what is a dream use case that um, templating could solve for you? And so I got to meet everyone and like learn from that a lot, um, which I then took into Fig Jam and did a lot of iterating with different flow charts and doing research in what we have in Sigma templates internally in the brand design team and learn where there's overlap and where we could, you know, kind of streamline things. And what ended up happening really was we used brand folder as with a different, completely different use case than what it's actually set up for. So brand folder, like we still use the templates, but before there was a lot of like standalone assets you could download, like PNGs, PDFs, um, and things like that. But we used, I think, if I remember correctly, it's called a PR link. And it's intended just to be like an image that is, you know, has a URL that it directs you to. Um, and internally, we use Google Drive for pretty much everything. So what ended up happening is we created like a whole new system in Google Drive um, for storing our brand files and working with vendors um, through a set different set of shared drives and those folders linked from brand folder, which is a whole new way of working for the marketing org, um, which got a lot of visibility, but also helped streamline um, updating assets because that was the other part of the templating system is that it was really hard to like update those templates. Um, I don't want, I don't want to get into the, the nitty gritty details of that, but essentially it was just, um, since we probably work in Figma, everything was done in InDesign. Um, and when you upload oh, things. Oh, those are very different tools. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And if, if you changed a name in the system, it would break the link and you'd have to oh, no. like go find yep. it. And yeah, mm -hmm. it was, it was a whole thing. Yeah. So I would say. And just to answer your question, it really came from like meeting with those teams and learning what works and what's in it um, on a simple level and kind of like mapping, mapping backwards to figure out overlap and how to like just streamline a tool that everyone's using. So It honestly sounds like the design process, like hands on moving the pixels on the screen, that that might have been a faster part than all of the like the strategizing and the figuring out the system. <laughs> Side oh, of this. I don't know. Maybe InDesign got in there and made it take a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think in this role currently, and I know I'm sure we'll talk about you know career things later on, but the strategic thinking and more so like business solving I've had to do as a brand designer in this role has been wildly different. Um, but it's been like a really good learning curve for me personally, just to figure out systems for the brand on how to like get to a more on-brand environment but really it's about building relationships and making sure everyone's on the same page about like a strategic end goal um and you know really good documentation how did you do some of that business learning because i think this is often a gap that we have as designers um, especially on the brand and marketing side where like in products they sort of have it built in that they have to do the like learn from the user research and the flows and things like that. Um, so they're perhaps a little bit more connected to outcomes of their work than we are. But I think it's something that we all need as branded marketing designers to do to to level up and really provide value. Um, so how did you go about getting that skill set? I would say that like it kind of is like a unexpected byproduct of the way that the brand design team works where our manager has a lot of trust in us as designers. Um, and therefore, like, we're not micromanaged in any way. We're really, like, encouraged to seek out people that we need to ask questions from, whether and not worry about hierarchy. I think sometimes in companies, like, if you're, if you really need the input of, like, a SVP of something, um, you might have to, you know, talk about, talk about it with your manager and their manager and then figure out a whole solution when um, I think we were really encouraged to kind of break through that and talk cross-functionally and to figure out a problem. So I think that, you know, just being, having that, that uh, freedom to kind of create and like also reach out and talk with folks, like made it easier to make those decisions, but also still being able to lean on Emily, our senior brand manager for like just advice was really helpful. 
and it's kind of an ongoing process. I really never feel like I, <laughs> I know what I'm like, I, I never feel like I know what I'm doing completely. It's always just trying to figure out the best end solution and having that like in mind. I think once you have like a clear goal, it's so much easier to talk to people from other teams and get what you need to get that work done. Yeah. Do goals that you set um, at Zero tend to be project related as in like, we need to overhaul this template library? Or is it leading up to some metric, I guess, like we need to increase the <laughs> click throughs on these ad assets that the marketing team are creating? I would say it's a mix of both. I think for the templating project, it was more strategic and just more like operational. So it's more so like making a better like internal experience for how the like people use the brand. Um, but I think like you could say that that could also be measured by the output of work being done. Like are the templates easier to use and therefore people are using them more so. Now, something I actually looked into for the brand folder to see if we could track like links, like click click-throughs on the, the URLs that led to certain places in Google Drive. Um, but I don't think that was a function. But we can see, like, we get, like, uh, summaries of top-used assets and, like, how much uh, things have changed. So it, there's definitely metrics involved in everything out, out of either, like, sheer curiosity, but also just for kind of validating a goal that we had already set. Um, but we do have different projects that we set you know those goals or kpis like before we start them um but i would say those tend to be more like customer facing mm. yeah. yeah well that's still cool though that you have that information about that how these templates are being used because if it came time to like increase the conversion rate of them or whatever you'd know which ones are being used the most so you could focus your attention on those <laughs> yeah or what ones haven't been downloaded in like <laughs> six months. <laughs> what kind of assets are marketing team producing from from this brand library? Like, is it like that there's a space for them to put in a headline with an image and then they get it like as a download? That's definitely a use case. Like there's definitely like banners that either I've helped art direct and then we use an agency to like build out on the InDesign files. So that they have kind of like a basic general template and then like a campaign specific template. Um, so there's definitely templates like that where there's a header, subhead, CTA button, and they can go crazy and like, you know, get copy from their but copywriter that they the were. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. Go crazy <laughs> as in have fun downloading their own banners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I would say that's really the main use case. Like, there's also like that's blog images. Template. <laughs> yeah. And then some that are really just used for cropping things into mm. the right size and to like make them the right size for our blogs or, you know, feature a photo a certain type of way. And I don't want to plug them too much, but really outside of that, we have to use external agencies for anything that's like large format printing or video. So I think really just like is small kind of granular tasks that we can free up the design team's time for making by using those like template features. Yeah. And I'm sure that by doing this like overhaul of the system and making it easier for the team to use, you've helped with brand consistency there, right? Because now oh. you've made it easier for people to be on brand. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And it also has freed up our team just like to take on like those uh, brand extension projects or I forgot what I called them earlier. Um, or more experimental projects. Yeah. yeah, the fun that's, stuff. That's how I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the things that the things that we were asked to do but could always make our brand stronger, essentially. Yep. If you had to estimate, and I'm putting you on the spot here, how much <laughs> of your time is spent on the relationship building, the art directing, the like systems building versus hands-on in a design tool in, in any given week? In this current role, I would say I am 80% art directing or working on system or building relationships. And the other 20% of designing things sometimes is designing things to then talk to other stakeholders and like talk, make presentations and make sure that things are aligned. I would say most of the time that I am specifically designing something and iterating something is that fun stuff that we talked about. Like the things that we see a good brand opportunity 
where we could extend the brand in a fun way or extend, it doesn't have to be fun, but extend the brand in a way that um, evolves what we currently have. It's what we kind of get to cherry pick the things that we work on, which is so much fun because of, you know, we use Jira internally as to manage all of our projects in the design team because it's so closely related to the product design team and how they function. So if we get a Jira ticket and that uh, this would be a great project that one, a designer on our team would be excited to work on and two, like would be great for the brand, then it makes a lot of sense for us to keep it internally versus having an agency iterate on it, which is, it's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that we that have sounds that ideal. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, very ideal. <laughs> yeah, that you've got the, you've set up the systems as well to allow you to do that. Because um, I was going to ask how it felt as a designer, you know, to have so much of your time not being spent designing. But it sounds like it means the design time is on the like highest impact, most enjoyable, like pushing your skills as the designer stuff. And that you've essentially outsourced all of the, you know, the things that a lot of us marketing designers put up with um, because we have to. <laughs> like, like resizing banners, for example. <laughs> I mean, I definitely resized some banners here, but you yeah. know, it happens. No one gets completely You, have to, be, you have to be flexible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's talk more about the the future for you and um, you know, your career and maybe we'll start by asking what what are some challenges you're facing at the moment? Um this could either be you as a designer or the brand design team, however you want to answer. I would say challenges either for myself or for our team is kind of like that that ambiguity part. You know, there's a lot of questions to be answered by the team that we we also don't maybe know the answer to ourselves because they're more so I feel like brand design is always like a really great reflection of, you know, business decisions as far as like high level like opportunities for the company or like um, current focus. I guess like when being acquired by a larger company, there's always going to be a ton of questions and the brand design team doesn't necessarily always has the answers. I would say that the biggest challenge is learning how to, or the current challenge is learning how to like direct our brand in a way that ladders up to those product decisions and to those business decisions and just keeping kind of like the positive energy around the brand up internally for both Okta and Osirel. So people know and feel comfortable in what, what they have to work with. I guess I would maybe say the other challenges are building those relationships. Something I didn't expect from the merger once we actually started merging in, like internally and our teams weren't as um, siloed as they were, like, because we had the Osiro brand design team and there was also, like, you know, a counterpart, like the Octa brand design team. And once you've been somewhere for a little over a year, like I have, you have to kind of build up those relationships all over again for the other brand or for the other side of the, the table and learn all the context. I think context is one of the hardest parts in a job, especially within design, is to learn why decisions were made um, and build relationships. So it's kind of the team, as myself and the team, we're like all in the middle of that right now and making sure we understand the history and that they understand like our own brand history um, so we can figure out how to like move forward together. So that's something that is a, a challenge, but it's been it's been great meeting a lot of new designers and thinkers on uh, the Octa team. Yeah, it's like you need to both get an understanding of your brand's past so that you can have the respect for it as you move forward, like in the future of it, right? Yeah, totally. Because you can, you know, you might be like, oh, why do you do this? <laughs> and there could be a very clear, like either business decision or like just, you know, situational uh, thing that has happened. And it's just, it's just always great to know the history. Yeah. The brand. Or like sometimes they might ask that question of you and you're like, you know what? There's no good reason for it. <laughs> there was no decision. It was a gut yeah, feeling. It just happened. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay too. And that's just the honest truth. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What's um what future plans do you have or like hopes do you have for growth in, in your career? Whether that's like the position you're in, skills you're building, anything like that. Yeah, well, I will say like and I feel like some with some friends I know this is happening more and more. Like this is my first job in tech. I came from an ad agency, ad me like advertising media, and also like kind of branding studio. It was like branding studios were my my background. So for me, I really am just kind of like 
sinking into the scroll and learning as much as I can. And I've been really enjoying the structure of working in tech. Marketing and advertising, for anyone who listens to this, knows it's very reactive. And as a creative, it's good as far as like the breadth of work and different brands you work on, but you can't really like build something and build something new as easily as you can at a tech company that's tied to quarters and goals. And for me personally, as a designer, that is so, um, it's less anxiety inducing. <laughs> so to answer your question, actually, I'm just really like currently trying to sink into this role and learn as much as I can about how branding works within tech. That is kind of like my current career strategy, if you will. But down the road, I would really like probably see myself as, you know, what? I'm not sure. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, every company is calling things different. So like, I would say That's a really director, good point. but yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows what it could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, just really being point. flexible. But outside of that, like I really love learning 3D. I opened Blender like four years ago for the first time and have constantly been off and on learning it. So that's something that I have found a lot of enjoyment in. My fiance, he helped me build a PC so I could <laughs> keep on doing it. They're, yeah, really just trying to bring that into my work and how we can present work too. Yeah, Blender to me is just like the 3D version of After Effects where you open it and you're like, oh my God. When you, when, when, you know, when you're a young creative and you open After Effects for the first time, it's like, what have I got myself into? Yeah, there's so many <laughs> settings. <laughs> and Blender's kind of the same way or just the 3D world in general because you can do so much with it. It's so daunting sometimes, but the land of YouTube um, is very helpful. In that. It's helping you there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's what we'll see as part of these, like, you know, brand extensions and explorations is your yeah. 3D work coming in handy. <laughs> Or at least with uh, our directing. I think that's one of the reasons why I want to learn more 3D is because as we work with 3D agencies, it's like I have the context to talk to something as far as like a process in 3D or like texturing and modeling and rigging things. And just being able to understand how that, that world works, it helps me as a designer and art director give, you know, direction. So Yeah, I fully agree with that. That's why I love having... I, I can understand code. I don't code anymore, so I wouldn't call myself a full stack designer, but it <laughs> helps me in working with uh, the web developer on the brand studio team at ConvertKit because I can like sort of speak his language more when giving feedback. So yeah, I love that you're paying attention to that. You know, point. while we're at it, I'll add learning so basic code to my list. Okay, um, great. I know I've done, things. I think I've done like the HTML and CSS like uh, Code Academy boot camp like i think four times now <laughs> and it hasn't really, sunk in yet <laughs> yeah it hasn't sunk in too much but yeah that would be great to a great skill to learn yeah well lucky you've got a full stack designer on your team who might be able to help you learn it huh <laughs> he's gonna love listening to this oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no what have i signed myself up for <laughs> All right, before we keep adding more skills to your to-do list of things to learn um let's end by talking about the project or the impact, or like the thing that happened at Zero that you're most proud of in your time there so far? Man, I would say there's kind of like, well, we've been talking about, you know, building relationships and also design and cherry picking projects and really like figuring out how to build those systems. Like I feel like it's all kind of come together in this latest project that we've done for the brand called Dev Days. It's a global conference that is going to be it just kicked off in, at the time of this podcast, it kicked off last week in Seattle, but it's going to be in Sydney and Berlin and London. And we've, you know, created 3D videos with an agency. We've created, you know, motion templates, premiere templates, 2D, all the different assets you could think of and like our own, you know, kind of standalone brand guidelines for the event. And I've also gotten to work personally with the principal designer, Ceci, who's amazing. And it's just been my favorite project. We've really got to shape like everything about it, even down to even like the experiential part with the production agency we're, we're working with. So we get to touch everything and it's been uh, just a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's oh, it's always fun to create a sub brand, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I've you you come from you a branding studio background, so maybe you've made a lot of brands. But I've worked at <laughs> in-house tech companies my whole career, so whenever I get to do a sub brand, I'm like, great, let's use a new color, let's use a color <laughs> in a different way, let's yeah, it's fun. Yeah, well, <laughs> what we ended up doing was we took our 
we kind of like revitalized an old project that I got to work on was like for a YouTube series, actually. It was called Dev Bytes, and we ended up creating an 8-bit version of our brand font, which is Space Grotesque, to like play into the name of Bytes, but also into the kind of like coding world and all that. And we got to use that 8-bit style in Dev Day um, and in the work that we do and kept on iterating on it for the sub-brand. And it just led to something like really fresh that like no one had really seen within the Osseo brand, but also made a lot of sense with like the context of the developer conference still. And, you know, I'll definitely like send you some of the things we can showcase the work because it's always, it's always like not as fun to listen if, if people are only listening to this on the podcast and not being able to see it. But, um, yeah, we'll good shout out like, to go look at the YouTube version of this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you definitely need to check out the YouTube version. We'll have some fun 3D videos of that come to life. But that's that project has been my fav- absolute favorite. I love it. Well, thanks so much for everything you shared today, Austin, giving us this behind-the-scenes look at Auth0. We'll look forward to following along as you learn all these skills that you've just added to your to-do list during this talk. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, this is a ton of fun as my first podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you. And you want to do more? It was a good experience. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun. I, I always <laughs> love talking to people one-on-one, especially working remotely. I feel like when you get like more than six people in the Zoom, it's a little alienating, but I, I could do this all day. So. I love it. So we just <laughs> recorded our one-on-one so that then thousands of people can also listen into it. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm okay with. If I can't see that they're there, we're all good. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thanks for being here, Austin. <laughs> I really love what Austin had to say about the internal relationship building side of his job. And that's like a key asset to being an in-house designer is that we can get super close to the problem that we're designing a solution for and spot opportunities for improvements because of these like internal relationships we can build. I also think this episode really highlighted that there is really a lot more to being an in-house marketing and brand designer than spending time in a design tool. Am I right or am I right? As always, I would love to hear your takeaways. So please feel free to tweet them, post about them on Instagram stories, your feed if you want to, uh, and you can tag me so that I can see them. I'm at Charlie Brangley on both platforms. Thank you again to Webflow for sponsoring the show. You can find a link to check them out in the show notes. And thanks to Austin for sharing all these insights today. You will find links to follow him in the show notes too. And he also told me that he might be starting a YouTube channel soon. I don't mean to put you on blast, Austin. And I also don't mean to press you, but I think it'd be pretty cool if he did. So I will add a link in the show notes to that if he does indeed start it. And maybe you can comment on the video version of this episode and let him know that you'd like to see that too. And lastly, of course, thanks to you for listening and I will see you next week for another episode. See you then.